You are listening to the podcast of the Y Church of the Elk River YMCA in Minnesota. Our mission is to seek Jesus, connect together, and share his love. I invite you to find a Bible. Meet us in Deuteronomy this morning, and Sherry's going to read these few verses for us. So the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm, with great terror and with signs and wonders. He brought us to this place and gave us this land, a land flowing with milk and honey. And now I bring the first fruits of the soil that you, Lord, have given me. Place the basket before the Lord your God and bow down before him. Then you and the Levites and the foreigners residing among you shall rejoice in all the good things the Lord your God has given to you and your household. Very good. Thanks, Sherry, for reading. Well, I'm wondering if you have ever been given bad work advice. I can think of two examples for me of when I was given lousy advice, you know, for my field, my work as a pastor. The first one is I was told that a pastor cannot have any friends in the congregation. I think the idea behind it was there's supposed to be this proper professional distance maintained between a pastor and the congregation. But I I thought, that's just not true. Where were the priests ever advised to not have any friends among the people of Israel? Or when did Paul advise Timothy to not have any friends at the church of Ephesus where he was serving? And then I thought of this. We actually have Jesus in John 15 calling his disciples his friends. So I disregarded that. The other example of bad advice is that I was once told that a pastor should not preach about money in his own congregation. So here's how it was presented. When the topic comes up, that's really when you should schedule a pulpit swap. So I would find a buddy who's a pastor, and we would switch churches on that Sunday. So he'd come here, and I would go there, and we'd preach on the topic of financial giving. But that's not good advice either. There is not a conflict of interest for a pastor to teach on money in their own congregation. And our posture here is we've always said, if the Bible talks about something, well, we should talk about that something. And I'm under the same word and the same authority as every one of us here. So we come to this significant Sunday on worship and giving. And this was not our original plan. We were supposed to start our new message series today. It's Deer Opener Weekend. I had this idea. Let's look at the metaphor of deer in the Bible and how God uses deer as a word picture. So we'll start that next week, but we really felt we needed to take a Sunday to address spiritual and financial health. Now, if you're our guest here, if this is your first time stepping into the Y Church or this is not your church home, Really what today is like is sitting in on a family conversation. Our church family is going to have a family meeting. Some of you grow up in homes where they'd call a family meeting and you'd all get together in the living room. So our church family needs a meeting and as our guest, you get to listen in. And there's part of us, part of me that would want to apologize for that or or feel a little sheepish about it. But then as I thought about it, I realized, you know, this is actually such a good way to get a glimpse into the heart of a congregation when you get to watch them have a difficult conversation. You know, because it's easy to have easy conversations. Would you all agree? But watch how somebody or a community 
has difficult conversations or maybe where a subject would be taboo or touchy, I think it's revealing as to the heart and culture of a church family. So if you're our guest, we're glad you're here. And I actually believe today can be just as inspiring and instructive as any other day would be. Because we all know this. Money and financial health are relevant to all of us. And you get to see as a guest if this is a community that handles it well that you'd like to be part of. So for the rest of us, for our church family, whether you're a member of the Y Church or an attendee, if you say, the Y Church is my church home, here's what brings us to this topic. Our leadership team and finance team have been working the past two months on putting together our 2024 budget, which will be set to take effect in January. And working on this, that process has given us a detailed look at our financial health as we put together the best plan for the next year. That process is now finished. It's wrapped up, and as of today, I think out on the welcome table is where we have that budget outline and and letter for you that's ready to pick up, and what doesn't get picked up today, uh, we'll put in the mail tomorrow. But here's the reality that we have come to after two months of working on this. Our financial health is not in very good shape right now. And I want you to think of it like how you'd go to the doctor. If you go to your doctor, you expect the doctor to be honest and transparent about your health. If there's a problem, if you go to the doctor, there's a problem, even if it's not very good news, you expect to hear about it, to know about it. And we have said down through the years that two of our values around finances are transparency and accountability. So that means that we want to be clear and forthright about finances and we're accountable to each other as a church family. And if you've been around the Y Church for a while, then you might know that we don't do, purposely don't do, a couple of things that you might often run into in churches in our country. That is, we do not pass an offering plate and we do not ask for annual pledges. In our almost 14 years together, those are two things that we have said we really don't want to do that. It's not that a church cannot. It's certainly not forbidden, but we believe that you don't have to to do these things to promote healthy giving. What that means, though, by opting into this, so we're not passing an offering play, we don't ask for annual pledges, is we have to practice a higher level of trust. It means if we're not going to lean on other tools to increase giving, we're going to lean on open communication. And that's what today is about. So here's what I've been tasked to do by our leadership, and and that's about 11 people serving across those two teams. I'm going to share a snapshot, first of all, of our financial health and why we feel we need to address this. Then I'm going to bring some biblical teaching that the financial giving principles that underlie who the Y Church is. And then I'm going to share five ways that you might choose to respond. Five things that we're asking you to discern. And as I do this, I want to assure you, I have no idea who gives what in our congregation. That's one of those best practices in ministry, so that I as a pastor can stand before you, and I don't have any of that information that would get in the way of our relationship and how I serve this church family. So however you receive my words today, that really is between you and the Lord. 
And it's part of us being accountable to each other. So let's take a look at the snapshot. In our budgeting process, we took a look at the last year, the last 12 months, and we came to a couple, there's just like two key data points that we want to share with you that we feel describes the whole picture. Now, this didn't necessarily catch us off guard as a leadership team because our finance team receives and reviews monthly finance reports. Our leadership team in our monthly meeting is is given that report. We also especially watch the quarterly reports, and some of you work in these fields of finance or business. So, you know, stepping back and looking at the whole quarter is often more important than month to month. And you may notice as well that we report in on our finances on the back side of the bulletin. So that's always there, Sunday to Sunday, for us to see. And if you've seen those numbers, you maybe have noticed that in the past year, they have pretty regularly been in the red. What happened in the process now of our budgeting is we have kind of the annual tally. And the annual tally is that we are 14% behind our budget, and it's paired with this reality we feel like we're taking on water fast. So here are the two critical data points that we want to share. In the past year, here's the first one, 17% of our giving units, and I want you to think of that as a household, whether it's an individual, a couple, or a family unit, 17% of our giving units have given 70% of our offering. So there you see it, 17% have given 70% of our offering. And when I saw that, that was a startling statistic to me to see that. Because you know that old 80-20 rule that you you hear in various facets of life, that 20% of the people are doing 80% of the work? We have said since the beginning, that's not us. That's not who we want to be. That's not going to happen here. But you see the data, and it starts to suggest something else. 17% of us doing 70% of our giving. And we live entirely by our giving. The Y Church is its own entity. So giving is our sole form of income. We're not sponsored by the YMCA or, or subsidized by anything. We don't have any other income than what we as households choose to give. The other thing, when I see that figure, 17% giving 70%, that we realize is it puts us in a precarious spot. It would make a significant impact if even one of those 17% were to stop giving. Does that make sense? Like, Like if someone were to move or pass away or retire, their income situation would change. In sports terminology, I think of it like this. We just don't have a lot of depth in our roster. And the last thing that we want today to be about is that we would somehow expect those 17% to give more than the 70% they're already giving. That cannot be our solution. We as a congregation, we realize, have to rise up and push these numbers the other way. There are 83% of us, if you flip it, who can do something about it. And the other data point is going to show that as well. So here it is. So that was the first one. Here's the second one we wanted to share. Of 172 giving units, again, 172 households, 
70 of those giving units gave $360 or less in the last year. That's 41% of us who gave less than 360 for the year. Again, just let me remind you, I don't know who that is, just as I do not know who the 17% are. But these are just two data points that we have been pulling once a year since 2018. Started this five years ago because we felt like we needed to make progress in our understanding of giving and the realization this year that we're bringing to us as a family in this family meeting is that we are taking steps in the wrong direction. What's true at the very same time, all right? So here's the good news. This is really something to celebrate and is evident as we're here this morning is the Y Church is growing. When you track over the last five years and even over the last 12 months, the Y Church is clearly growing. 172 is the highest number of giving units we have ever had with margin. And on any given Sunday, our average worship attendance is also clearly higher than it has ever been and growing. And what this tells us is that we're growing in our reach, but not in our depth to sustain it. Does that make sense? So we have numerical growth outward, but what we're called into now is the depth and the maturity to be able to sustain it. And the simple proposition is this. If we abide by biblical giving, this will not be a problem. In fact, it would flip the other way. And that brings us to our second topic, which are some simple principles of biblical giving. I'm excited to give this overview because I think this is an area that sometimes we just don't know about. So I know that some of us here grew up in Christian families but where nonetheless money was just not something that you talked about because either it was taboo or it just wasn't handed down from one generation to the next. Others of us, not a small number of us, were raised in homes that were not Christian homes and we came to faith later in life. And so we didn't grow up with this framework of biblical giving and hearing some of this is new. There's also a last scenario that I think we should point out, and that is sometimes churches shy away from talking about money because we have seen other churches really mess it up. You do not have to look very far to find churches that have not handled this topic very well, or pastors and some news story of of someone who's done something unethical. And then what happens if you're in that church family? You get burned, you get jaded, and you walk away. The double problem on top of that is that other churches overcorrect and we almost avoid talking about money because we're sensitive to people who have baggage. But that's not right either. There are over 2,000 verses in the Bible that talk about money or possessions. The Bible is very comfortable with this topic. Jesus talked about it regularly in his teaching. Of about 39 parables, depending on how you count them, of 39, 11 of the parables are either directly about money or make reference to it in the lesson that Jesus brings. So that in our setting would translate to 14 or 15 Sundays, 14 or 15 every year, that I would talk about money 
or make some reference to money if I were following Jesus' ratio. Trust me, we are not anywhere close to 14 or 15. (laughs) And truthfully, it's probably because my tendency, and I'll own this, especially in the earlier years of the Y Church, is overcorrection. And so we just have not taught about this in the way we probably should. So here are the four biblical principles that we say we live by. These are in our governing documents. They're on our giving webpage. They're part of our new member class. Here is who we say we are. Here's the first principle. It's called first fruits giving. First fruits giving. And it's put so beautifully, that's why we started in Deuteronomy 26. Moses is remembering how God brought his people to the promised land. And verse 10 in that passage says, And now I bring the first fruits of the soil that you, Lord, have given me. So the first fruits and vegetables, as the crops came in, in the promised land they'd waited so long to get to, they put that harvest, the first fruits, in a basket and presented it to the Lord as an act of worship. Lord, before we enjoy any of the bounty that you have provided for us, we want to first give back to you. And so in our context, that means that my giving happens off the top when my provisions come in, when my paycheck hits the bank account, or for some of us, when your social security or retirement check comes in, when I get my allowance or my babysitting money, that's when I give my offering. Not at the end of the month when I see what I have left over. And the reason behind this is twofold. First of all, if you wait till the end There's not usually very much, if anything, left over. I don't know why that is the way it is, but that's just the way life seems to work if you wait till the end. The other reason I think is even more significant, and that is when you give off the top, it is an expression of faith. When you give off the top, you are saying, I know that God will provide the rest of what I need this month or this pay period or whatever it is. That first fruits giving is an act of faith. It's a visible sign that you trust God to take care of you. And this underlines something else, and that is financial giving is never just a financial issue, but it's a spiritual issue. That's why we've titled today Worship and Giving. Here's the second principle. Generous giving, or another way to say this would be sacrificial giving. There's a wonderful little story in Luke 21 where Jesus is with his disciples at the temple and they're kind of standing back, maybe leaning against the wall and, and there was a giving box, sort of like we have, and there were well-off people who were coming to the temple and they were dropping their gift in the giving box. And then there's a widow who comes into the temple and she drops in two small copper coins, it says. And Jesus kind of leans over to his disciples. And what does he say? He says, truly I tell you, this poor widow has put in more than all the others. All these people gave their gifts out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in all that she had. Sacrificial giving is giving that costs us something. In our terms, 
it would mean that there are things that I am not able to do. I am sacrificing because I am choosing to give generously. My dollars are being used elsewhere instead of, and you can pick your category or topic, my dollars are being used elsewhere instead of this $6 coffee drink or $60 Amazon purchase or $600 flight or whatever it might be. I remember when Tom Jurgens came back from Mongolia in September and he reported in on his time there. He used a phrase that's just been rolling around in my mind. He talked about kingdom building units. You remember this? He said, every dollar that you and I have been given is a kingdom-building unit, and you get to choose where and how to invest it. This is the principle of generous giving. Number three on the list is joyful giving. Joyful giving. And I love that this one's next because you could completely do the first two items that we just talked about. You could give off the top, you could give generously, sacrificially, and you could do so completely begrudgingly, like kind of grumpy about it, right? But that would miss the point. 2 Corinthians 9, 7 says, each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly, there's the grumpiness, or under compulsion. It says, for God loves a cheerful giver. He loves joyful giving. And this is one of the key factors in why we decided almost 14 years ago that we didn't want to pass an offering plate. Because we didn't want to set people up to give out of obligation. You know, like, well, here here comes the offering basket and I better, people are watching, I better see what I have with me today. We just didn't want to have anything to do with it. Giving should be an act of worship. Not because we have to, but because we want to. That's the principle. And then we come to the last one. The last one is the principle of tithing. Now, unless you were raised in a Christian household that actively taught about the principles of biblical giving, tithing is not an everyday word. And this could be a completely new concept. Tithing, to give it definition, is the practice of giving a tenth. That's what the word means. A tenth or 10% of your income. This is a principle established very early on in the Bible in the Old Testament. It carries through and we see it as a model for the New Testament church. So we encourage everyone who's part of the Y Church family to adopt this model of tithing and put it into practice. And the thing that is so wonderful about percentages is that anybody can do this at any level because it's tied to a percent. So my son Lennox this summer was old enough to take over lawn mowing at our house, and I was thrilled about it. I honestly don't think he was nearly as excited (laughs) because it's a three-hour job when you're using the little push mower. But I told him, I said, Lennox, this could be your summer job, and every time you complete a lawn mowing, I will pay you $20 for your work. That's what he did this summer. At the same time, it became a lesson in tithing. So for every lawn mowing, then he set aside $2 for church. And that's the principle. 
Now we can apply it to an adult just to sketch out another example. Let's say there's an adult who is making $5,000 a month, which would be $60,000 a year. And let's say that you're paid twice a month. Maybe like the 1st and 15th of the month is when your paycheck hits. What tithing means is that when that $2,500 paycheck arrives, you would give, anybody do the math for us? 250 That would be your tithe. Or if you looked at it as a month, it would be a $500 tithe. And that tithe is met and carried by all the other principles that we just talked about. So first fruits giving, you're giving off the top. It's a generous gift, you're giving joyfully. And these four principles together, this is what we say that we're about in this church family. And why do we say that? Because we see it emerging right out of Scripture. But I think what we're realizing through the data that I showed you earlier is that we're just not there as a whole. It just doesn't quite match up. And we looked at all the other factors, you know, asking ourselves the question, are we overstaffed? We're clearly not overstaffed. We looked at all the metrics and the data around that. Are we overspending? You know, we went through the budget so many times with a fine-tooth comb that we're not overspending. The reality is that we as a congregation, as a whole, are underfunding our ministry. And if we continue down this road, we're not going to be able to sustain or grow our mission. So the last category this morning is what do we do? How can we respond? It's not going to be solved by one table here in our church family. But this is a family meeting and we're saying, what can we do? First of all, we recognize that we all have different financial realities. And some of us could use some help, some equipping, some encouragement in financial management. So in the new year, when it is dark and cold outside... We're going to offer a six-week class, a weekly class where you can come and we'll gain tools in financial health and stewardship that you can apply personally to your household. What do I do with what God has given me? What do I do with financial problems that I have? And how can I manage money best? So watch for those details in the weeks to come. Secondly, you saw Michelle share that we have a congregational meeting in two weeks on Sunday the 19th after the first service, about 10 o'clock, and we really need our church family to be here. If the Y Church is your church home, it doesn't matter if you're a member or attendee, we would love for you to be here. We need you to be here. Third and finally, we're asking every household to say yes to one of five ideas, one of five action items that we put together, because it's our fervent conviction that if every one of us finds one thing out of these five that we could say yes to, we will be in a completely different place in our financial health. So if you open the bulletin, you'll see that list of five ideas. It's where we usually have our connection card. So it's that perforated little sheet. And if you take a look at that now, I'm just going to walk us through it. The first idea on the list is become a first-time tither following the biblical model of giving 10% of my income. And I know that this is the next step for some of us in this room. I cannot encourage you enough to start tithing. 
And I would say this, I have never met someone who is a tither who has any regret whatsoever about it. In fact, the opposite. They're excited about this practice in their life. The people who I know who tithe are some of the happiest, most at peace, and spiritually grounded people you will ever meet. And in fact, my guess would be most of the 17% that we talked about are tithers. Here's the second idea. You could say, I'm going to shift my giving to regular scheduled giving. We say this because we know that some of us are in the habit of kind of giving here or there or it's sporadic or we might see what's left over at the end of the month. So this one is if you're responding to that idea of first fruits giving. This puts that into action. I'm going to give intentionally and I'm going to set it up to go right off the top. And our e-giving platform allows you to schedule your giving and be more intentional about your offering. Here's the third idea, three of five. Switch on the toggle to cover my credit card fees. Or you could shift to ACH giving, which effectively does the same thing. This feature, the ability to cover your credit card fee, we added just in the last few months. We have not had this for very long. So now when you go to give a gift online, whether it is one time or it's a scheduled gift, you can tick the box that chooses to cover your credit card fee. Now many of us like to use a credit card because we earn points and benefits that way, but the reality is the credit card company is going to get paid somehow. You do know that, right? (laughs) They're going to find a way, and what they do is they make the recipient the default, And so in the last 12 months, we just looked at the data. We have spent $5,000 on credit card fees to receive offerings that have been given. There is so much ministry we could do with $5,000 extra. And so we're giving this as an option. We know we can drive that number down. Here's the fourth idea. Attend worship at least two Sundays a month for the next year. I love this one. This one is not even explicitly finance-related, is it? But we recognize in our suburban American context, there are so many things that will pull away from regular worship. My grandma Dixon used to say, she passed away long ago. She's one of the cards on the table. She used to tell me, Bjorni, if the devil can't make you bad, he'll make you busy. There's a lot of truth to that. Please don't call me Bjorni now that I've. (laughs) Well, there's a lot of good things that will pull away at our priority to be here. Youth sports, I know that's a huge challenge. I'd say that that one's at the top of the list. Family plans that come up, deer opener. Sometimes, frankly, it's the convenience now since COVID that we have a live stream and it's just easier to stay at home in your pajamas and watch church. On any given Sunday we have about 170 people that are here for worship. But do you know how big the Y Church actually is? When we tally up committed, involved people that are part of this church family, we're actually a church of 450 to 500 people. The majority of us just aren't all here at the same time. So one of our goals is to increase the priority of being present at least two Sundays a month. You know, if you're in sports world, like 500 
at least half. And we believe that that in itself will improve our financial health because it is all together about spiritual health. Here's the last one. Here's the fifth idea. And that is to have a conversation with my children or grandchildren about faith and financial giving. We have said from the get-go, we, we believe that family is the first place of faith formation, not the church. Our role is secondary. So if you have kids or grandkids or students in your care, talk about how faith and financial giving go together. You can teach your little ones about the giving box. You know, they could put in a portion of their allowance or they could put in your offering into the giving box. If you have a teenager or one of those who's getting their first job, you can talk about tithing as they start to earn their first paycheck. It would be a huge investment in their life personally and in the future of the church. So we're going to sing a song to close related to this fifth idea that sings about God's generational blessing from one generation to the next. And as we do that, we're going to give ourselves the opportunity to respond using those cards, those perforated cards. And I encourage you, as you discern that, you might already know, you might need a few minutes, to tick the box, check the box, or you might find more than one, and you're going to have the chance while we sing or after worship, you can bring that to the cross. Now, some of you may need some more time. You may need to go home, talk with your spouse about this, or just more prayerfully discern. We're going to have this available the next couple of weeks. But we'd love for you to respond. You'll notice there's nowhere on that card for you to indicate your name. So we are not interested in tracking this and following up. That's not how it's going to work. It's between you and the Lord and how we choose to respond together. But whenever you come forward, what you'll do is there's a little basket at the foot of the cross. You can just drop your card in there and then look for the corresponding reminder card that you can take with you. And it will have, there's a cross on some of them. There's a little faith stone that's on some of them. And so take that. So if you, if you check the first one, you're going to look for the number one stack. And that will be your reminder to take home with you. And we would just encourage you to view this, not just as some gimmicky activity, but to actually approach this as an act of worship. Our worship team's going to come forward and, and let's just close our message in a word of prayer together. Our Father in heaven, I thank you for this Sunday. We thank you for your faithful provision for the Y Church on down through the years. From when we were just a, a small little group in the community room paying $45 a Sunday for rent. I thank you, Lord, that you have brought us thus far. And we trust you, Lord. We trust you with this challenge. We are not fearful, Lord, because we lean on you. And I pray, Lord, that you would stir in our hearts and minds and, and that you would highlight on this list of five ideas what you have called each one of us to. We pray, Lord, across this congregation for bold and courageous yeses as we respond to what you've put before us. Lord, we thank you that there's no subject that is taboo for you, but that your word is so clear and so instructive in all facets of life.
We thank you for this gift, Lord. We sing your praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to the Y Church podcast. For more information about the Y Church, check us out online at thewychurch.org.